0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world That. I think you should know about well today is the first Friday of the month which means it's time for plant fueled with Dr Nikki Davis and she is going to be giving at my request a wonderful presentation I saw her give called plant-based made easy even if you've been plant-based a long time or maybe you're struggling or know somebody that wants to go plant-based this is a perfect talk and please if, if they're not here watching live send it to all your friends and family to think I do it but it's too hard please welcome Dr Nikki Davis. Thanks, AJ.
1: It's so good to see you. And I'm excited to give this presentation. It's, it's a lot of fun to just go over the basics. People have very basic questions. And the other thing is people think it's going to be too difficult. A lot of different reasons why plant-based eating is not easy, but I'm telling you, it can be easy. So I am excited to share what my thoughts are on that.
0: Well, I can't wait. And we're so used to seeing you in the kitchen. It's nice seeing you, you know, sitting down and doing a presentation. And even if plant-based eating wasn't easy, either is heart disease isn't easy and diabetes isn't easy and all the other things that go along with diseases of, of lifestyle. That's not easy either. So.
1: I agree. And, you know, after today, having kind of some tips and tricks and things like that, it'll make it to where you have no excuse because it really can be very simple.
0: Can't wait. I've seen this presentation. I look forward to seeing it again.
1: Sure. Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and start sharing my slides. Okay. You can see that AJ?
0: Almost. Now I can. Perfect. Okay. Great.
1: Okay. Um, So today's talk is all about plant-based eating made easy. And I just wanted to start out, for those of you who may not know who I am or know my background at all, and just give you kind of a basic uh, background. So I was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I had a previous career, actually. So initially, I worked as a mechanical engineer on the space shuttle program. And it was during that time that I started learning about plant-based eating and how it could be good for animals, the planet. Health. And I became very, very passionate about it. And so decided after working as an engineer for about seven years to quit that job and go back to school and do medicine. Uh, So went back and got my degree as a medical doctor and got. Board certified in both family medicine and lifestyle medicine. Now, because I did this, knowing full well that the type of doctor I wanted to be was uh, more of a lifestyle doctor, uh, helping people to prevent, treat, reverse chronic lifestyle-related diseases... As I was entering medical school, I started looking at ways in which I could learn more about nutrition and how to help people make those lifestyle changes so that they could improve their conditions. So I had a chance to work with Dr. John McDougall in 2016. I also had a chance to intern at the True North Health Center in 2020. So I've had the chance to do uh, a lot of different things to help further my own education, because um, as many of you may know or not, as a medical doctor, we really don't get nutrition training in medical school. Uh, So you have to kind of go out and get your own opportunities. So I've had a chance to get certified in the starch solution uh, that is through Dr. John McDougall. And then also I did the uh, plant-based certificate through uh, T. Colin Campbell's uh, Cornell course. Uh, And now I get to work as a lifestyle medicine doctor. So I worked, uh, I started out with plant-based telehealth back in 2021, and they were acquired by a, a company that was started by John Mackey, who just recently retired as the CEO of uh, Whole Foods. And so his new company, Love Life, is, uh, has taken over plant-based telehealth. So now I work as a lifestyle medicine doctor with Love Life Telehealth. Uh, so some of you might be asking, well, what is lifestyle medicine? A lot of people know what family medicine is, internal medicine, you know, all sorts of specialties. Lifestyle medicine is a bit newer of a specialty, and it's really focused on the pillars of health. So what are the things that we all need as humans to be healthy? And this is six of the main ones. Uh, number one that we're going to be talking about today is a whole food plant-based diet. Um, most big groups out there, most experts agree that people eat need to eat more plants. Even if they're not saying exclusive, we know that people just aren't eating enough fruits and vegetables, that's, that's a given. Uh, so really, really important that you eat whole plant foods. Uh, lifestyle medicine also includes getting enough physical activity, getting uh, good management of your stress, uh, getting good quality sleep, staying away from uh, harmful substances such as tobacco and alcohol. And then of course, making sure you have good social connections and relationships. Um, So those are kind of the main big pillars of lifestyle medicine. And and these are the things that I work with my patients on uh, to help them improve their health. So today we're gonna be talking out about how to make eating plant-based easy. Uh, what we will go through is how to successfully make the transition, how to keep it sustainable. So, this is not an overnight quick fix diet. This is something that you need to figure out how to switch to. But then, also, once you've switched to it, how do you do this for the rest of your life? Uh, so, this is a lifelong journey, and it's so important that this is sustainable. I have a lot of patients who come to me and say, you know, my primary doctor is requesting that I do a keto diet or a low carb diet. And I tried it for a month and I felt horrible. It's just not sustainable for me. Uh, So this way of eating, eating plants can be very sustainable, but there are some key things that will help you be able to sustain it for the long term. There are some common concerns and questions that also come up when you're talking about eating plant-based. So especially for people who are a little bit newer to this, Um, you're gonna be getting some very common questions from family members, from friends, even from your doctor. Uh, And so I wanna just kind of cover each of those briefly so that you have a little bit of a background on that. And then I will end with talking about some easy meal ideas. How do I make it to where eating this way is easy and something that I feel like I can continue to do uh, even with stressful times, less uh, time during the day, Uh, making sure that you have easy ways to make things uh, so that you're not tempted to just run to the uh, uh, fast food joint and get uh, poor meal choices. Okay, so making the transition. So some of the things that can make it difficult to go from say a standard American diet to a more plant heavy diet or plant exclusive diet is that we have access to junk food 24 seven. Most of us are surrounded by options like that. Uh, so it's just really easy to eat poorly. Uh, unfortunately you can go through a drive through, pay a few dollars and have, uh, have a junk food meal very easily prepared for you. Um, and now unfortunately it's even really, really easy to get vegan junk food. And this didn't always be the case. I know, um, you know, back when I started my transition to vegetarian and veganism, um, it was not that easy to get vegan junk food. And in fact, I remember feeling like I'm going to have to give up all of these foods that I love, because when I'm eating plant based, or I'm eating vegan, those replacement options aren't available, but now they are right. So we have all of the meat replacements cheese replacements all the junk food I mean you can go and get a, a vegan burger and fries very easily now um, so that makes it really difficult um, because just going vegan is not going to necessarily equate to good health. Another thing that makes it difficult is family traditions so if you uh, you know live with other people spouse uh, any any other family members, children, and they have certain traditions, uh, it's, it's hard because now you are asking all of these people around you to support you in making new traditions. Um, so that can be difficult. Uh, just stress and lack of time. I know all of us, most of us suffer from that. And I know that for me, when I've had a really long day or uh, stressful situations going on, that, that definitely makes it more difficult for me to stay on track. So that is something that can make it difficult to make the transition. Um, and not only to make the transition, but to sustain that transition. So making the transition, I think a lot of people, uh, in fact, I've got patients of mine that'll come to me saying, I really want to change to a plant-based diet, but it's so overwhelming. And I have so little time to even think about how am I going to make this work? How am I going to make this happen that they just end up not doing it? social implications make this, making this transition very difficult, Uh, being the odd one. So we live in a society where most people eat a certain way. So if you live in America, most people are eating a standard American diet. And so when you are looking at eating plant foods or plant exclusive or mostly plant foods, you're gonna be a little bit different and people are gonna notice and they're gonna call you out and it's going to be uncomfortable. And so that can make it difficult too. Most people have a routine. So a lot of people eat the same types of foods. Most of the time they go to the same restaurants. They buy the same thing at the grocery store. They make the same meals at home. And so it can be challenging to come up with a brand new routine of what does that look like? So we'll talk about all of these things. Um, Letting go of previous foods. So for instance, I uh, did a, a, um, a study abroad in France when I was in college. And at the time I was vegetarian and I ate cheese while I was in France. And if you know France, they have all sorts of different kinds of cheeses and I absolutely loved them. And I didn't think there was any way that I would ever be able to get rid of eating cheese because it was so good. Uh, But I have to say that now that it has been so many years that I haven't had cheese, now when I see it, when I smell it, it's repulsive to me. It's something that, that I don't miss anymore at all. So letting go of previous foods seems like it's going to make it more difficult to make this transition, but it is definitely possible uh, and it's definitely worth it. Uh, The other thing that I hear from people is that they just don't enjoy or don't like cooking. Uh, And that's okay. We can come up with ways to make it easier to be able to make meals buy meals um, that will keep you on track with eating healthy. So what kinds of things, we talked about what makes it more difficult. So thinking of those things that can make it difficult, well, how do we make those difficulties uh, easier to overcome? So if you have access to junk food, that's gonna be make it difficult, right? Uh, And I know that Chef AJ talks about this all the time too. But basically, if you have access to poor food choices in your home, it's going to be nearly impossible for you to get away from those foods. Uh, You need to have an environment that matches your goals. So if your goal is to eat plant exclusive or mostly plant foods with very little junk food, very little processed food, no oils, no animal products, you need your environment to match that. So you need to go through and get rid of any foods that you fu- You don't want your future self to have access to, right? So maybe today you're feeling like, Oh, I did yoga this morning. I'm feeling good. I'm going to have no problem eating well today. Well, everything changes tomorrow. When you have a stressful event come up, you're getting overworked. You didn't get any breaks. You're starving. And that food is now in your home and you have access to it and, and, It's really hard to get away from that when it's in your environment. Um, Creating friction. So this is something that I like to talk about in general, not only for uh, diet, but also even just physical activity. So some of you may have heard of, uh, you know, some ways to make say exercising easier. So if you're someone who wants to get up in the morning and go for a jog, if you go to bed at night wearing your workout clothes, you wake up in the morning that creates less friction, right? It makes it easier to make that good choice where if you're already ready to go, all you have to do is put your shoes on and run out the door and now it's easy. So you can also use that for your diet and what you eat. So creating friction. So what that means is you're making it more difficult to make a bad choice. So if you don't have, you know, poor food choices in your home, that is creating friction. That means that now you have to get in your car, You have to go to the store, you have to pick it up off the shelf and actually pay for it. Uh, So it makes it more difficult. And then the opposite part of that is lessening friction for behaviors that you want to have. So if you want to eat healthier, make it easier, you know, less friction. So that's where you're making foods in advance and putting those in your fridge so that when you are starving, you have something that you can easily grab and eat up. Um, So things like that. Um, Make new family traditions. So we talked about how it can be difficult when you have certain traditions. So for instance, if you are used to cooking a turkey for Thanksgiving, and everyone is expecting that, that can be tricky. But it just means that now you are going to be starting new family traditions. So I used to eat that way. I I grew up in a family where we had a very traditional Thanksgiving dinner. And that's something that I expected, right? Um, But now my family and I have new traditions that we've created. So instead of a turkey at our table, we make uh, a tofu loaf, something that's on the um, McDougal, McDougal recipes. And we absolutely love it. And it's something that now that we've had several years in a row, we look forward to. So that is our new tradition. Another thing that we like to do on Thanksgiving is uh, quote unquote adopt a turkey. So basically, just donating money towards uh, the animal, an animal sanctuary called Farm Sanctuary. And my son looks forward to that every year. He likes going through the list and picking out his favorite turkey to donate money to. Uh, so you can come up with new traditions and make it fun. Uh, you don't have to just stick to old traditions because those old traditions can be harmful to your health. Um, Another thing that can make the transition easier is to give yourself a little patience. So if you're not ready to just go and say, I'm going to give up all of these animal foods, all of these oils, all of these processed foods overnight, and go completely plant exclusive, that is really difficult for a lot of people. So make it a little easier on yourself, just decide, okay, you know what, I'm just going to kind of lean in and try to eat more plants. Uh, instead of just going cold turkey and trying to do all of it, because that can be so overwhelming. So for instance, a lot of breakfast foods are already plant based, they're already really easily plant based. So oatmeal and berries, or hash browns without oil, um, smoothies, so you can easily make a breakfast. And so maybe just starting with one meal a day, and get that down, And once you feel comfortable with that, then you could start thinking about adding in another meal. And maybe you do three nights a week of a plant-based meal and then have that for leftovers the next day. Just slowly move closer to that, um, just progressing over time. Um, I put on here, add potatoes. So I'm a potato lover, Uh, but potatoes uh, are something that if you feel like I don't want to restrict myself, I don't want to just get rid of all of these foods that I'm used to, You can start kind of pushing those foods out of the way by adding in something that is healthy. So for instance, if you add say two potatoes every day, so you say, okay, every day I'm going to make sure that I eat two potatoes. What that means is now you're filling up on a whole plant food. Uh, Potatoes are very satisfying, very filling, very satiating. So now you don't have as much hunger or room in your belly for those other food items. So just adding in something. And um, so you could do two potatoes. You could do, if you really like uh, rice or maybe you like beans, adding a cup of rice a day or a cup of beans a day, having a very specific goal that allows you to eat more plant foods but doesn't restrict you at all. And you'll notice that as you start to add in more and more plant foods to your diet and you feel better, you're gonna wanna continue to add those. And by doing it slowly that way, for some people, it makes it a little bit easier to make this transition slowly over time and figuring it out as you go. Uh, other things that I'll talk to my patients about as far as making the transition. Uh, so this is you know, people who are brand new to this way of eating and looking at making this transition, or even people who have been kind of on and off for a long time, uh, or just really struggled to stick to it or figure out how to make it happen sometimes doing a program can be helpful. So a couple of my favorite programs, so the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine or PCRM has a 21-day vegan jumpstart program. They give you everything you need to get started, uh, grocery lists and recipes to really get you going starting out for 21 days. It's a free, it's a free service. Uh, the Rochester Lifestyle Medicine Institute out of Rochester, New York, uh, does their own program every single month called the Jumpstart Program. And that one is really quite affordable. It's a two-week program. You, do, you watch videos. There are also lots of online, uh, online webinars, uh, interactive meetings. Uh, and they also give you everything that you need to get started. All of the education, all of the recipes, all of the meal plans to get going. And you get that support throughout those two weeks. So you're very supported in that time. And the Rochester Lifestyle Medicine Institute Jumpstart program is uh, 299 dollars uh, With a referral from a doctor, it's $199. So it's very affordable. And I've had lots of patients go through this program. I personally have been through the program and found it very beneficial. So if you're someone who's struggling to kind of just get started, this is a way to do it with a lot of other people. Um, they do it every single month. And it's about 40 or 50 people who do it every month. Um, So this is a way to be able to do that and get that support that you might need if you're feeling like you can't do this by yourself um, without doing it with a group. Um, So some of the things like we talked about that can make this difficult are those social implications. So being that odd person out. So then find your community. So if you don't quite fit in with the people around you who are eating differently, Then find those people, find the people who can support you in this, whether it's someone in your own household, uh, whether you just have to find a group online, whether you go to in-person or virtual events, uh, you know, the Chef AJ community is huge. And so there are so many options like that. You've got to get into a community so that you feel that support. So you're not feeling totally left out. Um, because it's really hard to continue doing something like that when you have no one around you who's supportive and no one around you who's doing the same thing. Um, The other thing that I like to talk to people about as far as social implications is um, something that uh, Dr. Doug Lyle, who's a psychologist, talks about. And he talks about the psychology of being different than other people. And he recommends that when people are maybe giving you a hard time or not really understanding of eating this way, what you just tell them is, I'm just trying it out. So if someone says to you, "Wow, that's weird. What are you eating there? Why are you eating this kind of food?" and you say, "Oh, you know, I um, I've had issues uh, with my health, and I don't know. I had heard that maybe eating more plants was going to be helpful, so I figured I'd just try it out." Uh, so it's it's really about making it something that is not. Uh, it doesn't make people as defensive when you just say, uh, you know, maybe it's not for everyone. Um, It certainly seems like it's working for me. I've been able to lose some weight and my blood pressure is coming down, Um, but it might not be for everyone that in and of itself, it causes people to be less defensive. And it also allows people to ask more questions and feel like they're not having to defend their own way of eating. Um, So I've really found that that's been a, a beneficial way of Uh, dealing with some of those social pressures. Uh, Eating out can be difficult too. So, uh, you know, when other people are inviting you to go out and you want to be social, right? We talked about some of those lifestyle medicine pillars. One of them is making sure that you have good social connections. And if you are staying at home instead of going out with friends, that can make it difficult to have those connections. Uh, So some of the things with eating out are, well, finding finding places that will work with you. So I've found that, uh, you know, we have a lot of vegan restaurants in Salt Lake City. Unfortunately, a lot of them are, you know, a lot of meat substitutes, a lot of oil. So I've found that some of these other, like, in fact, we have a Himalayan restaurant that's really close to our house where they will make me a delicious a huge plate of rice and vegetables without oil in it. Um, now they serve meat in there as well, um, but I found that sometimes it's these restaurants that are more you know, Thai or Vietnamese, Japanese, you can get sushi where they can make you something that is going to um, be part of your diet. So you can invite people to go out to those kinds of places. Sometimes you just have to call ahead and just let them know hey, here's how I eat, Uh, is that something that you can, you know, help me with when I get there? And a lot of times people are willing, you know, restaurants are willing to work with you on that. Uh, So I've had a lot of situations where I've been able to call in advance and end up with a really yummy meal that the other people around me are jealous of. Uh, So it's definitely possible. Uh, Going to social events. So, you know, you're going to a friend's home and maybe it's a potluck or a barbecue And you don't want to miss it. But you also don't want to be uh, pressured into eating foods that you don't want to eat. So sometimes what I will do is just eat before I go so that I'm not starving. And then that way, if there are little things here and there that I can eat, I'm not so starving that I make a bad choice. The other thing that I will do is bring something to share, something that I know is going to fill me up. Uh, it's going to be delicious. And that way, I'm not feeling like I need to eat anything else that's there. I already know that I have something that I can eat while I'm there. Um, Planning ahead is also something that's really important. So like we mentioned, planning ahead with eating out, just calling ahead, looking up online, Um, batch cooking. Now, I am not a major batch cooker, I do not spend all day making a bunch of food, um, you know, my whole Sunday, but I will batch cook some main items that I wanna make sure I have access to. And those are gonna be the starchy stuff. So batch cooking, sweet potatoes, batch cooking, just regular potatoes, putting those into my fridge so that throughout the week, when I don't have time to to do anything more than just get something quick, I can just grab that, heat it up in the microwave and I'm good to go. Um, And that takes no time at all because you're literally just taking a bunch of potatoes, putting them in your oven, hitting the timer and it just does all the work for you, throw them in the fridge. So it doesn't have to be taking a lot of time. Um, Easy to prep meals. So we're gonna talk about that a little bit later, Um, but basically stuff that you can have easy access to in your pantry, in your freezer, stuff that doesn't necessarily need to be fresh, that is very easy to throw together. Um, And then making a plan for lapses. So if you, um, so all of us are human, right? None of us are perfect. And it's hard living in a society where most people eat differently. So there aren't very many people who can go the rest of their lives and eat perfectly. So you wanna make a plan for when things don't go well. And that's, that's okay. Um, planning for that so that you know, if that happens, when it happens, that you know what to do in that instance. So for instance, if you notice that uh, every time you have a really long day, maybe, maybe you work really long on Thursdays. And every time you come home, it's late, you're hungry, that's when you tend to have issues with eating well. Um, some people tell me they eat really well for breakfast and lunch, and then where they struggle is dinner time. Um, so thinking ahead, where is it that you've had issues, and then planning for what you're going to do if those issues come up. So things like, uh, who is that support person who you could call and say, hey, I'm thinking about eating this thing, or I just ate this thing. Um, I-, I just wanted to talk to you and, and let you know how I'm feeling. And, um, you know, tell me, remind me of why I don't want to eat this thing. Uh, so coming up with a support person that you can call, it's almost like what we do for people who are quitting smoking, you need to have that person who you can call, or even quitting alcohol. Um, And then also just maybe even having uh, something that reminds you of your why, why are you doing this? Are you doing this because you just want to eat more plants, you feel like it's going to be healthy? Or are you doing this because you want to reverse diabetes? uh, Or you want you need to lose weight. Um, So reminding yourself of your why, uh, going back and finding what are the movies or the documentaries that have made a big impact on you? What are the books that you've read that have made a big impact? Um, What are some of the um, things that have happened in your life that make it worth it? You know, you have grandkids that you want to see grow up. Um, So having those things kind of in your back pocket that if you need to reread a book or you need to rewatch a film um, so that you can go back and get back on track. The other thing is finding new foods to enjoy. So of course there are going to be foods that you don't want to give up. And like I said, I used to eat a standard American diet and there were foods that I loved that i never thought I could give up. Um, But what I found is that most of us only go through a certain number of meals. So we usually have our favorite foods that we enjoy. And so it's about finding new foods to enjoy. So taking maybe if you enjoy say lasagna, and that's one of your favorite foods, and it has meat in it. Now you just are needing to find a plant-based lasagna that can you can swap swap or swap with that, and then use that instead as one of those main meals that you go in and out of. You don't need to be making 100 different recipes. You don't need to have something new every single day. Um, being consistent is about finding the foods that you really enjoy, the recipes that you really like, And just making those over and over and over again. Um, You'll see in my family, we tend to eat, you know, basically there are about four to six meals that we do over and over and over again. And they're meals that are really filling, they're really healthy, and they're very easy to make. Um, So if, you know, for homework after today, come up with a list of four to six meals that you really enjoy that are plant exclusive or plant based. Um, And if you don't have those, Come up with your list of meals that you enjoy now and figure out a replacement for that. Um, And then retraining your taste buds is possible. So when I was uh, interning at the True North Health Center, I remember uh, meeting with patients when they first came in. And one of the things that they would do is have people eat the food that is available there, which is completely whole food, plant-based, no added salt, sugar, or oil. And some of these people who were used to eating a standard American diet would say, this food is so bland. There is no way I could eat this way for the rest of my life. They just couldn't imagine that that was going to be a a sustainable diet for them. And then at True North, they do water only fasting. So after they had eaten that food for a couple of days, they would do a water only fast for several days and then they would go back on to refeeding. So basically introducing the foods again, and then they would eat those same foods that they had available. And now after they'd gone through this water only fasting period, all of a sudden the food tasted good and they couldn't believe it. They said, is this, did you guys change what you were making? Um, this food is, is amazing. And so you do have the ability to retrain your taste buds. Um, and in fact, your taste buds uh, replenish or, um, you know, Uh, basically go through to where you have new taste buds about every six to eight weeks. Uh, So it's absolutely possible that the food that you enjoy today is going to be something that you will not enjoy in the future once you are far enough away from it. Uh, Okay, so keeping it sustainable. Now this one, uh, this is so important because making the transition is one thing but making sure that once you've made that transition, that it is something that you can continue for life. uh, That is what's so important. And what I have found the best way to make eating this way sustainable is starch. So you're familiar with Dr. McDougall, he wrote the starch solution. Uh, It's all about making sure that you have foods that are going to keep you full, give you nutrition um, and keep you happy make you enjoy your meals. Um, So for instance, mashed potatoes and gravy. I think a lot of people would agree that that's a comfort food. And there's a reason for that. It's comforting to have a food that keeps you really full and is delicious um, and doesn't leave you craving when you're done eating it. Um, It's really important to have those starches. If I were to give you a plate of say steamed broccoli and say, that's your dinner. Even though you could eat enough that it would fill your stomach, it would not be satisfying. It would not be satiating. You need to have that side of a potato or a sweet potato to help make it something that is satiating and filling. Um, So some of the things that I will do to make sure that I keep things really simple and easy are keeping things in my home that are really easy to make uh, quickly. So frozen foods. So my freezer is filled with frozen veggies, frozen potatoes, frozen fruits, so that I always know that I have something like that that I can make really easily. So we were just talking about broccoli. So if I want to have, say, some barley and broccoli, um, I have now the ability to just grab my packet of broccoli from the freezer. I don't need to have it fresh. I don't need to run to the grocery store. I just grab that um, throw it into my little steamer that I can throw in the microwave. Um, you could of course do it on the stove if you want to, but something that you can grab and is very easy. Um, Shelf stable food. So making sure that you have a pantry that is full of foods um, that are re- really easy to put together. Um, and so that's where you, you know, having whole grains that you can cook easily, brown rice and, and any other grains that you really enjoy, Um, you know, even cans of soup, um, we will go through some of the other shelf stable foods that I recommend that you, that you have, but it's important to have those things on hand that you can make really easily, um, quick meals, we're going to go over. And then we already talked about batch cooking, but those are going to be some of the main ways to make things really simple and easy. Um, the other thing is some of these nice online resources that we now have, like I said, it's, it's so much easier to eat plant-based now because there is so much information out there on how to be successful. So many amazing recipes. And some of my favorite online resources are the brand new vegan has a lot of really good whole food plant-based recipes that are oil-free. Of course, Chef AJ, um, Kathy Fisher um, has a really good uh, book called straight up food that has a lot of good recipes. Dr. McDougall, has a lot of great recipes that are all free on his on his website. If you pay $5 for his app, it puts all the recipes in one place. Uh, I really like that. Um, but anyway, so if you want, you can take a picture of this. Um, but this includes a lot of the places that I go to find recipes and inspiration and just you know figuring out how to cook things and make things a little bit easier. Um and then also just coming up with um meal delivery and products that make things a little bit easier. So there are food delivery companies that um, will send you complete meals ready to go that you just have to heat up. So if that's something that is helpful for you, um, I do have several patients that take advantage of these kinds of things so that they can just grab something out of the fridge, heat it up, and and it's easy, ready to go. Uh, So there are three whole food plant-based oil-free meal delivery companies that I'm aware of. I've tried two of them. So whole harvest is a good one. Mama says is a great one as well. Little green forks I have not tried, um, but that also is a good one. Leaf side is um, dried meals. So those are shelf stable. And basically you're just putting those into uh, a bowl, putting hot water with it, uh, letting it uh, reconstitute. Um, Those meals I will not, I will say are not the most delicious thing you've ever tried, but it's great for if you're gonna be traveling, throwing it in your suitcase, Um, maybe you're just too busy to grab something for lunch that day and you just grab one of those to take with you to work. So it's at least something that you know you have in your pantry that you can grab very easily. Plant Strong is also great. Um, They've got a lot of things that you can buy on their website like pizza kits and soups, uh, veggie broths, and of course everything is completely plant-based and oil-free. Uh, Well, your world is a lot of condiments and sauces, and then California balsamic, I know Chef AJ talks a lot about, um, that makes salad taste good. So it's all these delicious flavored balsamic vinegars um, that just help you eat more salad. And then also a lot of these balsamic vinegars can be used on other things too. So they have like a teriyaki flavor that can um, be really good say over rice and veggies. Um, So these are some of the ones that I use. I know there are probably other things out there that um, can make things easy, but these are kind of some of the things that have made uh, eating this way easier for me and my family. So I wanted to quickly talk about some of the common concerns and questions that people have about eating plant-based these are probably some of the major things that I hear about um, either when I do webinars or talking to my patients so we will talk about all of these uh, just so that you have a little bit of a background on them when people are asking you Uh, so vitamin b12 is essential it's a vitamin that you need and, and unfortunately we just don't get it as much as we used to so it's something that is found in the soil it's also found in our water supply Um, But because we're really good at cleaning our water, uh, cleaning our veggies, when they come out of the ground, we just don't get the B12 that we used to. Uh, A lot of people think, well, this is uh, a problem with a vegan or a plant based diet that you aren't able to get B12. Uh, But B12 isn't made by animals, it is made by bacteria. So it is something that is just not found in our environment as much as it used to. And so not only are people who eat plant exclusive having a difficult time getting enough B12, but even people who eat animal products are starting to have issues with getting enough B12 in their diet because of this. Now, B12 is something that is really important for your blood cells. It's important for nerve cell health. Um, It's used in DNA synthesis. So it is really, really important. You wanna make sure that if you are only eating plants, especially that you make sure you're taking a daily vitamin B12. Um, it is something that your body stores actually for, if you have a good supply, you usually have enough storage for about two to three years in your liver. Uh, so it's not something that once you start eating plant-based, you need to immediately start taking the next day, but it's something that you want to consider. And for most people, uh, the form of cobalamin called cyanocobalamin seems to be better absorbed. So that's usually what I recommend. Um, but you do want to make sure you talk to your doctor about whether or not that's the right one for you. And then I usually just as a general will recommend about 500 micrograms a day of B12 or about 2,500 per week. Um, This, you might need to increase that a little bit, depending on your level of B12, uh, depending on your age, um, whether or not you're pregnant or not. Um, So that's just kind of a general idea. Um, And then the other thing with B12 is, if you're gonna be taking it, you might as well be absorbing as much of what you're taking as you can. And so instead of buying a B12 that you swallow, it's best to buy one that is easier to absorb. So that's gonna be something that you put under your tongue, sublingual, something chewable. So the one that I, that I buy for my family is this one, the Twin Lab. Um, I don't get any money for saying this. It's just one that happens to meet all the criteria that I'm looking for, um, but it's a chewable one. So by being chewable, you can just let it dissolve in your mouth. And that way you're gonna absorb it a little bit better than actually just chewing or swallowing it. And then of course, liquid as well. So if you use a liquid, it's gonna be a little bit better absorbed. Uh, Protein. Now this is one that a lot of people still get questions about. Uh, Are you getting enough protein? It's just a really hot topic now where lots of people are doing extra protein powders or trying to hit a certain amount of protein every day. And so I just want to give you kind of the general um, background of how much protein do we actually need? Do we really have to worry about it? And what kinds of foods have good sources of protein? So one of the things that I want to mention is a myth um, that has gone around um, that basically you need to either combine foods. If you're eating plant foods, you need to combine foods to make sure you're getting all of the essential amino acids. Um, or you you won't be able to get them unless you're eating animal foods. And that's not true. So all living things contain protein. So that means all plants contain protein. Uh, And they all contain all of the essential amino acids. What happens is they're just in differing amounts. So certain amino acids are gonna be, you're gonna get a higher amount of those in certain foods versus other foods. So as long as you're eating a somewhat varied diet, you're gonna be getting all of the, building blocks of protein, which are the amino acids that you need. And by the way, those building blocks, those amino acids are made, are made from plants. So any protein that you get, say, from an animal source, ultimately those amino acids came from the plant foods that that animal ate. Um, So protein ultimately comes from plants. Um, The World Health Organization recommends an average intake of 0.66 grams per kilogram of body weight. Okay. And that's a little bit lower than what both the FDA and the CDC recommend, which is about 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight, which equates to about 50 grams per day. If you are eating 2000 calories. Um, I have heard, you know, many of my patients who have, um, like personal trainers who are telling them, Oh, you've got to hit, you know, 120 grams a day and really trying to increase the amount of protein that people are getting in a day. Um, But just so that you know, it's not just me saying that you don't need that much protein. It's, you know, the WHO, the FDA, the CDC. Um, And interestingly, Canada's dietary guidelines, um, not only talk about making sure you're getting protein foods, but that if you are, you know, those protein foods that you're eating, you should eat plant based more often. So a lot of groups out there now are saying protein doesn't mean meat. It doesn't mean animal foods that you can get plenty of protein from plant foods. Uh, so if you're, uh, say an average, uh, uh, weight of about 170 pounds, um, that would equate to about 50 to 60 grams of protein per day. And if you look at how many calories are in protein per gram, So it would be about 200 calories out of your 2000. So about 10% of your daily calories. Now, if you're someone who is uh, an endurance athlete or strength athlete, um, you do probably need a little bit of extra protein, but it turns out that most of those people are gonna be eating more calories. So they're gonna be getting more protein just by eating more calories in general. Um, And interestingly, if if we look at human breast milk, Uh, it's about five to 6% protein out of the total calories in breast milk. And if you look at children, that, uh, that is supposed to help babies double in size in their first two years of life. So it's not a very big percentage of human milk that is protein and protein deficiency is very rare. And it's very difficult to become protein deficient if you are getting enough calories, um, And in fact, we know that um, people who eat plant-based diets who don't work extra hard to try to get protein are averaging about one and a half to two times the recommended daily amount without really trying. And the beauty is, you know, if we look back at the last slide, 50 grams a day, well, one cup of beans has about 40 grams of protein. So even just having one cup of beans a day is gonna get you almost all of the protein that you need. And then if you think about it, if you're eating all plant foods the rest of the day, all of those plant foods are going to have protein in them. So you're going to easily get enough protein throughout the day without trying to add extra protein. Um, And then the great thing is if you add that cup of beans and you get about 40 grams of protein, we actually have data that shows that one cup of beans a day is associated with increased life expectancy of four years. Um, Beans are about 20% protein and about 77% carbohydrate. And, the blue zones, if you're familiar with, are places around the world in which people live. We have the most people who live over a hundred and are still living healthy uh, lives. Uh, those people in those blue zones eat about four times as many beans as Americans do. So beans are a fantastic way to get protein. Uh, iron, so Uh, a lot of people wonder, am I getting enough iron? And not only am I getting enough iron if I'm eating plants, but also is the iron the right kind of iron? So there's, I'm sure you've heard there's heme versus non-heme iron. Heme is what's found in animal foods. So in the blood and muscle, uh, and non-heme is what's mostly found in plant foods. So heme iron, uh, if you eat too much heme iron the higher intake has been associated with an increased risk of both heart disease and cancer due to the oxidative damage that occurs with eating so much um, animal food now non-heme a lot of people will say well non-heme is not as easily absorbed so it can't be as good as heme iron well that's not true the great thing about it not being as easily absorbed is that your body is deciding when it wants to absorb that iron, when it's needed. And so it actually lowers the risk of having iron overload or getting too much iron. And uh, it does appear on the studies that have been done that plant eaters are not at any higher risk of becoming iron deficient and getting anemia from that than meat eaters. Uh, Iron is really easy to get in a plant exclusive diet. So some of the best sources are gonna be whole grains, legumes such as beans, peas and lentils, uh, leafy greens, nuts and seeds. And iron is something that actually can be better absorbed when paired with vitamin C containing foods. So for instance, if you have a big leafy green salad, uh, and you squeeze a little bit of lemon juice over the top, that's going to actually help you absorb that iron a little bit better. Uh, fiber. So fiber is something that Americans are not getting enough of. In fact, 90, about 95, 97% of Americans are deficient. They are not getting the daily recommended amount. And I actually find this interesting because, uh, you know, the percentage of people in America who are eating plant-based diet is probably about two to 3%. Uh, and so I feel like if you are eating only plants You're plant exclusive you're getting a lot of fiber for the most part as long as you're not eating too much processed foods and it makes me wonder if those are the people who are not having issues getting enough fiber because they're just eating mostly plant foods Um, fiber is so so important so it's something that uh, as humans we don't absorb we don't use but we have bacteria living in our gut that do eat the fiber and so if you wanna have a healthy microbiome or gut bacteria, you need to have fiber in your diet so that those mic- those bacteria can flourish um, and give you all of the things that you need to be um, healthy. Fiber also helps you have regular bowel movements, helps with blood sugar control. Um, fiber binds toxins and helps remove those from your body. Um, we know that uh, having fiber in your diet actually helps with having healthy cholesterol levels because, uh, levels because it helps bind to the fiber. Um, and then people who eat more fiber tend to have healthier weights. And fiber is only found in plant foods. So if you're not eating plant foods, you are not getting fiber. So that's why it's so important to make sure that you're getting whole plant foods so that you actually do get fiber in your diet. Uh, some good sources are gonna be beans, broccoli, and grains. So this meal, uh, this is just you know a picture of one of my meals just brown rice, lentils, and broccoli, lots and lots of fiber in there. Uh, this was a question I got recently, are oxalates unhealthy? So oxalates are something that are found in uh, leafy greens, uh, not, also in beans, uh, in soy foods, and beets, uh, among other plant foods. Oxalates aren't something that humans absorb very much of. And in fact, if you're getting enough calcium in your diet, that actually helps block absorption of oxalates because it's bound to the calcium in the gut. Um, And people who eat a plant-based diet. And again, we go back to that healthy gut microbiome, having that healthy diet and those healthy bacteria also help block the absorption of oxalates. Ultimately, a lot of people are worried about oxalates because they think, well, if I eat a lot of oxalates in my diet, I'm going to have problems with kidney stones. Well, it turns out that when people who even have had issues with kidney stones, try to lower higher oxalate containing foods in their diet. It really doesn't make a big difference in their formation of kidney stones. What seems to make a bigger difference is making sure you're well hydrated, you're getting plenty of water, and then making sure you're not eating too many meat uh, products or animal products, because that causes you to have acidic urine, which puts you at higher risk of having kidney stones. Uh, Omega fats, so omega fats are essential. And what that means is that you cannot make your own omega fats, you need to get them in your diet. And interestingly enough, a lot of people think omega fats, well, okay, that comes from fish. Well, fish also don't make omega fats. Uh, Fish eat sea vegetables, and that's where they get their omega fats from. Uh, So some good ways to get omega fats are gonna be leafy greens. So just like fish that eat, um, you know, like seaweed or sea vegetables, Uh, they're getting it through greens, you can also get omega fats through leafy greens. Um, Another other good sources are going to be flax seeds, chia seeds, walnuts, soy products. Uh, I try to talk to my patients about just making sure that you try to get about a tablespoon of ground flax every day, that will get you, uh, for the most part, your omegas for the day. Omega fats are really important. um, Because they're essential, you do need to make sure you're getting them in your diet. Uh, And they are something that contribute to brain function. Um, If you have a good level of omega fats in your diet, that is correlated with lower cardiovascular risk. Uh, The need for omega fats is actually pretty small. So only about one to 3% of your total caloric intake needs to be omega fats. Um, So it's really easy to get omega fats in your diet. You do not need to take fish oil supplements. You don't need to eat fish to get omega fats. So calcium. So that's one where we've all been brainwashed. We've all seen all the commercials. People think, well, we need to drink cow's milk to get calcium. Uh, Calcium is something that's stored primarily in bones. And and yes, cow's milk is the number one source of calcium in people's diets in the US. But unfortunately, cow's milk is also the number one source of saturated fat in American's diets. so calcium is, is a mineral. It's something that is found in plant foods. And again, we go back to the reason that cow's milk has that extra calcium is it is because the cow is eating plant foods that contain calcium or they're adding it uh, into the milk after. Uh, so the other problem with cow's milk is it's one of the top food allergens. So it's one of the reasons that kids have colic. It's one of the reasons that teenagers have uh, acne problems. Uh, So why put yourself through eating all of the saturated fat, um, having a possible allergen to it, to just get calcium, you don't need to do that. So calcium is very easily found in lots of plant foods. So some of the great sources are going to be dark green leafy vegetables, like kale, broccoli, bok choy. Um, And by the way, having cow's milk or other dairy products are associated with increased risk of health conditions such as prostate cancer, hip fractures, cardiovascular disease, heart attacks and strokes. It increases your risk of premature death and overall cancer risk. So there is absolutely no reason to try to get calcium through dairy products when you can easily get it through plant sources. Uh, This is something that I have a lot of patients that are worried about when I tell them, okay, you need to make sure you have uh, good starchy foods like potatoes or sweet potatoes, and they say, "Well, wait a minute. Aren't potatoes a carb? Isn't that something that's going to make me gain weight or make it difficult for me to lose weight?" Um, carbs, you know, people call it carbs um, like it's some something evil. You need to be low carb. You know, got to get rid of carbs. So carbs are carbohydrates. It's a macronutrient. It is something that is found in all plant foods. So you have three macronutrients. If you're not talking about water, three macronutrients that are found in plant foods, all plant foods, carbohydrates, protein, and fat. Carbohydrates are mostly found in plant foods. So if you're trying to limit carbohydrates, you're actually limiting plant foods, which we know people aren't getting enough of. Um, So you need to make sure that you're getting plenty of plant foods and that will just make to where you're eating carbohydrates. So for instance, a sweet potato is about 95% carbohydrate, only about 1% fat and about 4% protein. Whole wheat pasta, about 76% carbohydrate, 10% fat, 14% protein. Uh, I will hear people saying like a donut is a carb, but really a donut is a fat because if you look at uh, how, uh, how uh, how the macronutrients come out, A donut is only 39% carbohydrate and 57% fat. So there's a big difference between a donut and a sweet potato uh, when you're talking about carbohydrates and fat content. And by the way, carbohydrates are not something that when you eat them automatically turn into fat in your body. A lot of people think that for some reason we have decided in our society that carbohydrates equal fat. That is not the case. So when you eat excess carbohydrates, or you get excess calories um, from carbohydrates, your body says, Hey, we want to use this for later because your body runs on glucose, which is the broken down form of carbohydrates. And so it stores it as glycogen in your muscles and liver for later, because of how important glucose is to running your body and making energy. Carbohydrates are not readily stored as fat. If you have even extra that you can't put in your muscles and liver you usually just burn it off as heat now there is a way that your body can turn sugars or carbohydrates into fats and it's called de novo lipogenesis now there are some animals who can do this more efficiently like cows Um, but humans are very inefficient at, at doing this and in fact it takes there's a metabolic cost to it so of the total calories that you take in, it takes about 30% or a third of those calories that you consume to turn carbohydrate into fat. Your body does not like to be inefficient. Your body likes to be able to um, be as efficient as possible and not waste. And so interestingly, if you look at, well, what is the cost to turn fat from my diet into fat on my body? It's only 3%. So your body is very efficient in taking dietary fat and putting it into your body as adipose tissue. The metabolic cost is very, very low. And there was a really good study that was done from the National Institute of Health in 2015, um, where they took people and put them into a facility. And they found that calorie for calorie, when they reduced dietary fat, that there was more body fat loss than when they reduced carbohydrates um, with people who have obesity. one of the other things I wanted to talk about with making uh, plant-based diets easy is a lot of people worry about the expense of a plant-based diet. So plant-based diets don't need to be expensive. You don't need to be, so this says whole foods, focus on whole foods. I don't mean whole foods, the, the grocery store where it could be a little bit expensive. I mean, actually whole plant foods. Uh, so buying those bulk grains, buying the potatoes, the sweet potatoes, the beans, the corn, Those foods are some of the least expensive foods out there that you can buy in large quantities. You can buy in bulk. Um, Vegetables, fruits, and then shelf-stable pasta, beans, canned vegetables. Those are the things that are going to be really inexpensive that are going to be the most filling and, by the way, the most healthy for you instead of buying lots of packaged, processed foods uh, that just happen to be vegan. Um, One of the things that is really important that we talked about a little bit earlier but in making this way of eating sustainable is making sure you have that support and sometimes uh you don't get support for instance from your primary doctor and like i said i didn't get nutrition training in medical school and so your doctor probably didn't either so if you're looking for a doctor who can be more supportive there are plenty of places you can go to look um so of course, you can go to the place where I work. We have several doctors. We cover all 50 states and DC. So love.life slash telehealth. Um, the Physi- Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, pcrm.org slash doctor. You can go on there, look for all different specialties. You can put in your state and try to find someone uh, close to you or maybe who does telehealth. Plantrition.org also has a search where you can look for plant-based or lifestyle doctors. And then lifestylemedpros.org is another place you can go to look. If you don't have support within your own family or friends, uh, another place that you can go would be the Plant-Based Nutrition Support Group. So this is an online support group, pbnsg.org, where they do all sorts of events uh, where you can learn more about eating plant-based. And it's just a way to become part of a group and have that support. Uh, plantpurecommunities.org. And then whole communities uh, through the Nutrition Studies uh, Center also is a good place. And if none of these work, um, you can join social media groups. You can um, go on to other online groups or in-person groups. Uh, You know, get a friend to do this with you or even start your own group if there isn't one in your area. Uh, I I wanted to talk about this because this is also something that we've been kind of trained to do. Uh, I know that I worried about calories. I worried about portion control uh, when I was younger. But if you are eating the right kinds of foods, like we've talked about today, you don't need to count calories. You don't need to portion control. You get to eat when you're hungry. You get to stop when you're comfortably full. And that is a huge weight off of a lot of people's shoulders. I know for certainly for me, it made a huge difference Uh, And just feeling like, okay, now I don't have to be so nitpicky every time that I go to put something on a plate, making sure it's only one serving. No, once you're eating the right kinds of foods, the satisfying starchy fiber rich plant foods, all the veggies and fruits, you can eat as much as you want, as long as you are hungry, and you stop when you're full. And then just making sure that you're avoiding some of those calorie dense foods. Which are mostly going to be the processed foods, the animal foods, and the oils in your diet. Um, okay, so I just wanted to finish up with kind of some easy meal ideas. So this is based on um, something from a dietitian. So his name is Jeff Novick. So he's a registered dietitian. And I will have a link uh, for his uh, handout that is free online that includes some of the easy packaged foods to always have in your home, and then easy meal ideas. So some of the top 10 packaged foods that he says that you should have in your home to make it really quick and easy to always have access to healthy foods that are easy to make. We talked about a lot of these frozen veggies, frozen fruits, quick cooking, or even frozen brown rice. So I love Trader Joe's and they have frozen brown rice. that's very easy to heat up in the microwave. I use it all the time. Uh, shelf-stable beans. So yes, you can make your own beans. You can um, use an Instapot and make your own beans. They taste delicious, but sometimes it's easier to just grab beans out of a can. So having those always available. Um, having shelf-stable tomato products or veggie broth so that it's something you can add. Um, so for instance, if you have brown rice and you add some uh, stewed tomatoes to that, it can just make your meal a little bit more delicious, something a little bit more filling. Making sure you always have intact whole grains like oats, rice, Uh, I love barley. Uh, Making sure you have those available that you can easily boil and make up. Um, Whole grain or even, they make pastas with all sorts of beans now, lentil pasta, chickpea pasta, so you can find some of those. Uh, If you need snacks, dried fruit can sometimes be a good snack for people. Um, If you do okay with nuts and seeds, you can have unsalted raw nuts and seeds. Um, and then, of course, you always want to make sure that you have good seasonings, dressings, and salsas that are low in fat. Uh, and then what he mentions in his handout uh, is you need to have five basic ingredients in your home so that you can always make a healthy meal. And so these five basic ingredients are going to be your starchy vegetables or grains. So that's your potatoes, your sweet potatoes that you hopefully batch cooked over the weekend that you have easy and ready to go. Um, Or maybe you're using the frozen brown rice or easy quick cooking grains, your frozen non-starchy vegetables, canned beans, packaged tomatoes, and then your spices and seasonings and sauces. If you have those five basic ingredients on hand, you can whip up anything. Um, I want to make this, give you this reminder, make sure you're eating your greens. Leafy greens are the most nutrient dense food. They're also very calorie dilute. And as long as you have a really good dressing meal, it'll help you eat more greens. So making sure that you're eating those greens every single day. I'm going to go through just kind of some of my favorite meals. So something that I love is to make smoothies. So I don't make smoothies every single day, but most days I'll make smoothies for my in my family it's a your greens uh, and and then I love doing bananas in there so it's a really good way your day
0: Can you hear me, Dr. Davis? You froze. Oh boy, is she frozen for you guys? Uh Uh-oh, where'd she go? I don't like when this happens. I can't do the show myself. It was such a fabulous presentation, isn't it? Now we have no excuses not to go plant-based. I'll text her, you crashed. Hopefully she'll come back. In the meantime, I may as well tell you who's on for the rest of the week. So tomorrow at 11 a.m., we have Dr. Colin Zhu. Oh, I think she's back. You, you, okay, you, I'm uh, back.
1: Sorry about that.
0: <laughs> it happened right when you were showing the slide with the making the smoothie.
1: Oh, got it. Okay, I will pull that back up. I think we just lost internet connection for a moment there. Okay. There we go. Okay. So, uh, so smoothies are something that I really, uh, enjoy, uh, where you can easily get good nutrition first thing in the day. Uh, if all else fails, you can get your greens in your antioxidants and your berries and fruit, uh, and you can throw your flaxseed in there. So it's a really good way to get good nutrition, uh, at least once in your day. Uh, The other thing that I really like to have are just potatoes in general, but I really love hash browns. So I will make my own hash browns uh, where I will actually spiralize potatoes and cook those up. But even easier is just to use. So I know Trader Joe's will sell hash browns that don't have oil in them. You just have to have a really good nonstick pan to make sure that they don't stick. Um, But you can find hash browns that don't have any extra oil in them or added salt. Uh, That's a really easy quick meal. Uh, I love tostadas. That's another really easy one. So I always make sure that I have those uh, little corn tortillas in my fridge that I can easily crisp up uh, in my air fryer. And then I'll add either whole beans or fat-free refried beans, and then whatever I have on hand. Um, So for instance, I had cabbage on this one day with some avocado, um, pico de gallo, Um, You can add the greens over the top. So all sorts of things that you can add. And it's a really easy, simple uh, meal that you can make quickly. Uh, This is just a basically I just called it Mexican bean and rice salad. So I just had some kale that I put over the bottom. I had some brown rice that I added some stewed tomatoes to. I think I've got both pinto and black beans on there and then I just cut up some tomatoes and some red onions and it was very filling, very delicious. Um, I had everything on hand to make that really easily. This is something I eat a lot of um, because it's so easy when I'm uh, in a pinch and I need something quick, I will grab my uh, frozen brown rice, frozen broccoli, uh, heat those up in the microwave and I've got a big bowl of delicious food And usually I'll just put some low sodium soy sauce over the top. And of course, any other sauces that you like, you could use as well. Uh, This is something that I've made on AJ's show before. So pizzoli dip. And so a lot of these meals I've actually made on Chef AJ's show. And so I have links in the show notes for those so that you can click on and watch those YouTube videos uh, where I make a lot of these meals uh, that we make at my house a lot. So this is a like a kind of like a pozole type dip. You make your own corn chips using those corn tortillas so that you get a corn chip without added oil and salt. uh, And then a pozole dip that includes beans and corn and rice uh, so really filling really delicious and can be used as a main meal uh, I love sweet potatoes so um, I know chef AJ is the same where she eats sweet potatoes all the time this is one of those things that I love to batch cook and just have uh, a Tupperware with a couple of uh, sides of uh, sweet potatoes and like on this day I just happen to have uh, kind of a side of lentils and carrots and broccoli that I had thrown in the instant pot as a side. Um, But sweet potatoes are something that you can really easily bake up and then just stick in your fridge for later. Uh, This is a a rice noodle soup that my family and I make all the time. Uh, I did make this on Chef AJ's show, so I'll have a link to that. Uh, but it's basically rice noodles with a delicious broth and then whatever veggies, we usually do bok choy and broccoli, and then we do air fried tofu as well. Uh, really, really delicious. And then we add in some strips of seaweed. It's really good. Uh, this is a sweet potato soup that has lentils in it and spinach, super easy to throw together. Uh, this is another one of our favorites and it's another one that I've made on the show before that I'll have a link to. Uh, we talked about mashed potatoes and gravy. That's one of our favorite meals uh, that's easy to put together. And that's something that, uh, you know, mashed potatoes, you don't, need, you don't need to add all the butter, all the cream, and all of that. Potatoes are delicious on their own. Um, you can use either the water that you uh, boiled your potatoes in to help fluff them up as you're mixing it together, or even some plant milk to make it a little bit creamier. And then for gravy... Some of my favorite recipes are on McDougal's, Dr. McDougal's website. There's a fat-free golden gravy that I use all the time. Uh, And yeah, that's something that you don't have to just save mashed potatoes and gravy for special occasions. This can be a main meal. All right. Well, that's everything. Um, So I have a link to my website. Uh, If you are interested in booking an appointment with a lifestyle medicine doctor, you can go to love.life telehealth and find one of the doctors that I work with. Um, one of the women who has helped me in kind of formulating this presentation is Harriet Emerson, and she's created a Facebook group called Planty Easy. that's all about making it easy to eat plants. Um, so go ahead and look for that on Facebook. Uh, and then if you want to follow me on social media, I'm at Nikki Davis, MD.
0: Well, thank you. I never get tired of seeing this presentation. And, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned at the very beginning that you did both the McDougall starch solution course, as well as the T. Colin Campbell course. I mean, you went to medical school, you know? <laughs> right, right. But unfortunately,
1: right now, it's, you know, going and in, going into medicine does not mean that you're going to get training in nutrition, which Chronic lifestyle related disease is mainly an issue of diet and poor diet. So how are doctors not getting trained in nutrition? Um, That's where I love that one of our lovely doctors from, uh, you know, previously plant-based telehealth, but now love life telehealth, Dr. Clapper, um, he is out there working with the medical schools to start trying to get this nutrition training into medical schools because doctors need to know this.
0: Yeah, that would be amazing. And I love that you did an internship, both at True North and at Dr. McDougall's program, which interestingly enough, yesterday, the guest was a True North doctor, Dr. Varesh, and two days ago was a Dr. McDougal. So what a lineup. <laughs> What's interesting is tomorrow, one of your colleagues from Love Life Telehealth, Dr. Colin Zhu, is doing a presentation on how to set up your kitchen, which is like the perfect follow up to the talk you just gave.
1: I love that. That's great. Just moved uh,
0: out that way, I swear. But yeah. I love that it did that. It's a small world, isn't it? <laughs> you know, it's funny because you had mentioned like how important community was and the people watching right now, our community, I call them Zoomunity, even though most people obviously watch these these presentations in replays. We get several hundred people every day and we have for over three years that are watching you live. They're meeting each other in the chat. And that's why I encourage you if you can, uh, you know, I love that you watch the replays, but try to get on a live show with us because we have a little chat going on while the presentation is going on. It's like a show within the show. You know, it's funny you talk about the standard American diet and I wonder how it got that name because I looked up (laughs) the word standard because I was a speech major in college and it said there's different definitions. One is accepted as normal. Well, it may be normal. I mean, I mean, I I mean, it's, it may be the norm, but it's not normal in my opinion, or it says uh, an idea or thing used as a measure of normal. So it it shouldn't be normal. That's the thing. I mean, it's really a substandard American diet. If you ask me.
1: Absolutely. It is not the goal uh, American diet. It is unfortunately standard because that is what most people eat. Most people eat that way. So it's become the standard it's become the norm. But what has also become the norm is chronic disease. Diabetes is the norm. Hypertension or high blood pressure is the norm. High cholesterol is the norm. Heart disease is the norm. People are dying of heart disease every single day. It's the number one killer. Cancer is becoming the norm. I remember when I was a kid, it seemed really weird when you would hear of people having cancer. And now it's just like, people expect it. That's just what's gonna happen to them, right? One mm-hmm. in three women are gonna get breast cancer. So it is unfortunately that our diet, the normal diet, the standard diet in America also equates to all of these standard diseases that we are now seeing.
0: It's funny. I've had guests on the show that said SAD instead of an acronym for standard American diet. um, One said satanic abuse diet and one said (laughs) substance abuse diet. (laughs) That's um, great. And whatever
1: it is, it's sad right? Ultimately, really? it's well, that
0: is the perfect acronym. Well, this was, it is. and again, I'm so glad you did this presentation because even though you did it on another channel, I think we'll get more views. And then people, again, please share this with people that say, I do it, but it's just too hard. Yep.
1: Yeah. And, you know, ultimately it is, it's something that it's a process. I uh, don't think that it's going to be just something that you can easily do overnight. Um, but It is something that you can absolutely do. And I promise it is worth it. Um, I know that for me, it's been life changing. And for so many of my patients, it's been life changing. It is absolutely worth uh, eating more plants. And it is something that can be done without a huge expense, complicated recipes. It it doesn't have to be uh, complicated.
0: It can be really simple. All right. Eat more plants, fit into your pants. Well, thanks so much. doctor <laughs> I'm forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you.
1: So nice to see you, Chef AJ.
0: Same here. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow at 11 a.m. Pacific time for Dr. Colin Zoo He'll teach you how to set up your kitchen for success. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.